Follow The Ron Show on Twitter at RonShowATL. The Ron Show on America One Radio. So we're on with Dr. Michelle Al, representing Georgia House District 50, coming into this legislative session, uh, living in Johns Creek. So, Dr. Al, I want to ask you, uh, as a physician, a wife, mother, three active kids, that's what your website says, three active kids, what lessons have you learned from uh, serving in the state Senate and then being on the campaign trail and coming into this next legislative session uh, that gives you that work-life balance sweet spot you're looking for uh, that you can apply to... Uh, incoming uh, legislative uh, legislative opportunities. Yeah, that's a great question. It's often a question I get actually from uh, medical folks. I've done a lot of sort of um, talking and teaching over the past really couple of decades with uh, medical trainees about this issue of work life balance because mm. it is, um, you know, it's a big concern for many people who are in medicine who start their training very early. Uh, in their academic careers and really have to go through most of their 20s and mid-30s trying to balance what is a very uh, aggressive work schedule, a very time-consuming job that is life and death, so it's very high stress, with um, a time when they are balancing how they are going to start a family, build a family life, and all these types of things that people need to do at that age. So um, for me, picking up this uh, sort of um, you know lateral move is how I look at it, into the state legislature is something that I am able to do for a couple of reasons. One is that um, you can do many types of things. You can't always expect to do them all at once, Mm -hmm. right? So I had my kids uh, fairly early on, I would say in my medical training, I had my first kid uh, when I was 27, which sounds like a normal age to have kids, but for a medical trainee is like, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> She's so young. You know, it was my first, it was my first year of anesthesia residency. So that was certainly quite unorthodox in my cohort and in many people's cohort. So um, that's one of those things where you're it's trial by fire when it comes to work-life balance. Cause I was working upwards of 80 hours a week, working overnights, working up to like 28 hours at a time. And I had a newborn, right? Mm-hmm. So that I think was sort of the high water mark of trying to figure out how to balance work and work in my home life. Um, and it was very challenging, but I think some of what get, gets you through it is that you are young, right? So you don't really know any better. So you're like, I guess this is just what life is now. And you just go ahead and do it, right? Obviously, as you go on through your life and you pick up other um, activities, you start to realize how to balance your life better and how to make uh, the choices that you need to make in order to uh, best accommodate all parts of your life. Uh, I don't know that I would have run for state legislature, honestly, if it was if my kids were a little bit younger than they were. But Mm. what happened was that um, when I was when my youngest child, my youngest of three kids started kindergarten. And so she was in like, you know, real school. I realized that in my personal life and in my professional life, I had a little bit more bandwidth than I did previously. So what I did at that time was I went back to school. I went to get a master's degree in public health, right? right? Because I figured that that was a way to add to my toolbox and to grow laterally in my career. And really what I wanted to do at that time was to um, design a professional life where I could help more people at once. Anesthesiology is a very close in field, right? We're in the OR, we're working with patients essentially one-on-one during surgery. And that's very gratifying. It's very exciting. It's, it's, um, it's, it's an ex- exciting field to be in, but it's very close in to the clinical issues. And I wanted to zoom out a little bit and do some more community and population-based health. So I I went back and got that public health degree when I thought, when I felt like I had more time in my personal life to accommodate that. Mm -hmm. 
in, in the course of getting that public health degree, one realizes that a lot of the health issues that we deal with as clinicians, the patients that I see at the hospital and a lot of the health problems that they face are really dealt with far upstream from mm-hmm. where I interface with them, right? And a lot of these issues live at the level of health policy and health policy lives at the state legislative level. So I realized that in order to um, drive the kind of change I wanted to see that maybe the natural um, field for me after getting this public health degree and having this toolbox would be to be a member of the state legislature and to help craft health policy, right? And so here but you again, are. these are things, yeah, and so here I am. But it is one of those things that you pick up along the way, right? And it is, um, like I said, a balancing act depending on a lot of personal circumstances. As I noted before, if my kids had been a little bit younger, I might not be here right now. If I lived further out from Atlanta and I had to stay uh, away from my home for the entire work week while we were in session, I don't know that I would be doing this right now. But, you know, everyone has to look at their own personal circumstances and what their family situation is and what they can tolerate and what the costs are to them, because we should not pretend that when we take on public service, it does not come at a cost, right? But these are the calculations we make, and every person is going to make that calculation for themselves. So, Dr. Al, I have about 90 seconds left, and this is, a, I think, a heavy question, so do what you can here. Uh, is burnout mm-hmm. in the healthcare industry real, and what can we do tackling student loan debt to encourage the next wave of medical professionals to take a stab at it instead of being dissuaded by that? Burnout is definitely a huge problem in healthcare, especially right now. We're on the heels of the two and a half years of a major pandemic that we've been working through. We're working through a lot of um, other issues in healthcare, including Medicare um, reimbursement cuts Mm -hmm. at a really pivotal moment of people really leaving the field in droves. I'm talking about all through the entire health system, physicians, nurses, uh, technicians, all sorts of people really are burned out because it is um, a huge responsibility. It's life and death. And uh, people need to protect their mental health as well as they're, you know, doing their jobs. I do think that one piece of it would be um, student loan forgiveness and student loan debt. There are certain pieces within the medical field for physicians where they can have a certain portion of their student loans waived if they go practice in underserved communities or uh, enroll with certain types of grants. However, that's not a type of program that's open to everyone, right? And when we talk about the healthcare system, it's really not just doctors, right? We have a whole team of people uh, from physicians all the way through the entire scope of the healthcare system that are suffering a lot of these same issues. So I think that in addressing um, the issue of student loan debt in specific, we have to broaden our ability to give that relief to uh, to more people. And state funding's kind of been at a, a, in a in a crisis when it comes to uh, post secondary education. We've we've really pulled away from that sort of funding, and it'd be nice to see a more of a of a broadened reversal of that. Yeah, we did have a targeted sort of piece of legislation last year that passed through was HB ten thirteen, which was the Mental Health Parity Act. Which part of that bill uh, looked to how we can. In- increase our personnel that provide mental health care in mm. this state, because mm. that's that's a huge problem of why we don't have enough uh, mental health care offerings is that we don't have enough people offering to, um, to take care of patients. Mm. So there were certain pieces within that bill about how to increase the pipeline, certain types of okay. uh, loan forgiveness or, um, you know, uh, cost containment for students, okay. uh, training in all sorts of fields, but that's just one one small piece of it, right, that we, uh, we can see how that works and maybe broaden it out to more mm. fields that we need, including primary care. Dr. Michelle Al, heading to the Georgia House, representing District 50 out of Johns Creek, Georgia. I thank you for your time today. I do appreciate you uh, joining us, and uh, much success in 2023. Happy New Year to you. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. All right, y'all. That's it for The Ron Show. Back tomorrow, 5 to 6 p.m. here on the America One Radio, AmericaOneRadio.com.